0: Also last week, we got started off uh, in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, Jesus answered an important question in that parable because he was asked directly, who is my neighbor? And Jesus went on to tell the story of the Jew who had been uh, attacked by thieves, beaten up, and left for dead. And a couple of Jewish men came by and pretty much ignored this poor guy who was lying on the side of the road, but it was a a Samaritan who came along, a person who was disliked very much by the Jews, who helped this man, sought medical help for him, found a place for him to stay until he got well, and that was the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? It's not necessarily the person that you're closest to and the person that you're chummy with. It might be a person that you dislike. It might be a person that you fear. Uh, You never know who might come along, when that opportunity might come along. But nevertheless, God said that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So in the second message today, the second uh, part of this series, we're gonna talk about exactly how do you love your neighbor as yourself? I've got four points here I'd like you to consider, and these are pointed out in the Bible. First of all, to love our neighbor as ourselves, love is intentional. It's intentional. You need to set out every day with an intent to love your neighbor as yourself. We need to start off with a desire to do just that, to obey the command the greatest command, as Jesus said, of all of them. God is well aware of the people in our lives who need help or support of some kind. There are a lot of different ways that we can show love to other people. There might be opportunities where it could be financial support. It could be opportunities for service. Somebody needs help in doing something. It could be uh, just a conversation a word of encouragement, listening to some people who have no one to listen to them. There are many different types of ways to show love to our neighbor, but God has the ability and the desire to connect us with these people in our lives. Now we can go through a a given day totally unaware of who might be around us and who might have need. We're going to pray that God help us to see those people. And to have the heart to want to do something for them. God can connect us with people whom we have the wherewithal to serve. If we're intentional, you know, God will bless us in that way. You know, there's a scripture back in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 27. It's a concept that is found both in the Old Testament and the New, as we'll see here. But starting in the Old Testament with Proverbs 3 and verse 27, it says this. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give, to, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. So we have been called as Christians to be people who are ready and willing to share God's love with whomever comes along. It is also a New Testament thought and teaching in Galatians 6 verse 10, the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 6 verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So it just makes sense. You know, they they say charity starts at home. That's true. You need to take care of your family first and foremost. But we have been given the wherewithal to let that love extend beyond our family. You know, it starts at home with our mate, with our kids, but it can't be limited to that. It has to overflow to people in the church And then to outsiders, people who are not in the church, people who are in this society, who perhaps need to hear the gospel, who need to be touched by God's love. We have the wherewithal to do that, and we're told to do that. So love is intentional. And I recommend to you and I suggest to you that uh, maybe over the course of the next month, we all make it a goal to serve somebody, maybe that we haven't served before, We're going to see a little bit more about how to do that to just be of the mindset that we're ready and willing to help whenever we can. You know, I told you the story one time about a church member. I won't say who it was or even if it's a member of this particular congregation who approached me and said, you know, I start the day by putting a $50 bill in my pocket and I just keep it there for whenever God brings me in contact with somebody who needs it. And He doesn't force it on people. In conversation, if He determines that the person has a need, if He can tell that the person hasn't eaten or the person doesn't have the proper clothes to wear or whatever, maybe they're low on gas in this day and age, He would just, you know, not in a proud or vain way, but just humbly, you know, maybe when shaking hands with the person, have the $50 bill in in his hand and shake hands with them and just give it to them as a gift. They may protest, but he'll say, no, no, it's a blessing. It's a blessing from God that I want to give you today. See, he was ready. He was intentional about it. He was prepared. But like I said, it doesn't just have to be money. We can serve people and we can uh, show God's love to people in many different ways. You know, there was a woman in the New Testament by the name of Tabitha, Her, she also had the name of Dorcas. This is in Acts chapter 9, I won't turn there. But Acts 9 and verse 36 describes this woman, Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. That's how she's described, Dorcas who was always doing good and helping the poor. Now it turns out that this woman died. And Peter brought her back to life through a miracle, a powerful miracle. But can you imagine what a reputation to have? Wouldn't that be something if when mentioning your name, people make the comment, they are always doing good and helping the poor, that you just had that reputation in your life? You were loving your neighbor as yourself. You were prepared and ready and willing to do whatever you could for other people, whether it's your family, whether it's your church, and whether it's outside the church. People who can be touched by the love of God. So that's the first point, to love your neighbor as yourself. This love that you have is intentional. You don't just walk around blindly waiting for something to drop on your head. You anticipate it. You ask God to provide it for you. This opportunity, this person. Be intentional about it. Okay, point number two. Love is not only intentional, it's also observant. Love is observant. We told the story last week of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was walking along, and as other people ignored this man who had been beaten up and robbed, he saw him. He looked. He was observant. So that's an important thing. You've got to be aware of the people around you. Sometimes we just get so tied up in our own life, our own schedule, you know, don't get in my way. i got stuff to do. I'm running short of time. The Good Samaritan was observant. He first saw the man who was robbed and beaten up before helping him. Sometimes we have to look past the obvious, the outer shell, and look into a person's eyes to determine what they're going through. We need to look into their hearts and their circumstances. If we're blinded by our own bitterness or prejudice, we need to repent and ask God to see people as he sees them. So it's only when you sit down and start talking to a person do they start to share what they're going through in their life, what their needs might be where they're coming up short and need help. You know, sometimes, too, our loving our neighbor as ourselves includes praying for the person. And not just saying, well, I'll pray for you later tonight, but praying for them, praying with them on the spot so that they know that they've been prayed for. They've heard your prayer. That's an important part of it, too. And we have to be careful. We can't set up walls because the person that might be in need is a person or relative that we've had disagreements with in the past. Are we big enough to forgive the past and do the right thing? You know, have you ever had a relative that you're not on speaking terms with for whatever reasons? You may not even remember the reasons why it's like that, but somehow you hear that they're in need. They've had a tragedy in their life or in their family. Are you just going to ignore them and say, well, we don't get along, we're not talking? Or do you make the effort? Are you intentional about it? Are you observant to see that that person has needs? Let's turn to Matthew 9, verse 35. That's certainly what Jesus did. He was always observing people in his uh, short, probably three, three and a half year ministry here on earth. He was always looking, always observing. That's the way God is and that's the way we've been called to be too. Matthew 9, beginning in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When He saw the crowds. So he looked at people individually. He didn't just see a mass of people. He had the ability, and he's given us that ability. As we, he's, he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, there's a lot of people out there who need help. There's a lot of people who need to hear the gospel or who need to see the gospel in action, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's us. (laughs) We're the workers. We've been called to be workers in the harvest field. And what does that mean? That means living the gospel out in front of strangers, and doing whatever we can, looking, seeing people who are in need, who need help. And there's many times that, you know, that opportunity arises. I I have shopped in Walmart a lot, as I'm sure many of you have, and you see a lot of different people in Walmart. Walmart is the crossroads of, of the world, of this country. You never know who you're gonna see or who you're gonna bump into. And there have been times where I'm walking along and I see a person standing there by themselves, maybe without a cart. And if you don't have a cart in Walmart, you look out of place. There's something wrong there, okay? Because most people are pushing their carts and loading their carts with things that they're gonna buy. But there have been times where I've, I've seen a, maybe an older gentleman, and I can't call them older because I'm older, but kind of standing there confused, looking around like they're lost. And you know, if I were younger, I'd just walk right past them. But now that I'm an old timer too, you know, God nudges me and says, why don't you go and see if that person's okay? And there have been times where, you know, it's a little awkward. You don't know this person, but you go up to them and say, How you doing? Everything okay here? You know? And there are people because of dementia or whatever, they're out in public and they forget where they are or why they're there. And they're totally lost. That's an example of what you can do. Now, I'm not saying go up to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, <laughs> you know, but if you see somebody and you think that there may be a need there, that may be an opportunity. And what does it take to go up to somebody and say, hey, is everything okay? Another example of love being observant is found in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3. And this is the way we should be. I'm not saying be a, a busybody and stick your nose into other people's you know, situations. But when something becomes obvious, and like I said, the Holy Spirit nudges us to do something about it. Acts 3 verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, and at three in the afternoon, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. But what did Peter and John do? They were observant. They saw a man and they thought to themselves, what is this man's greatest need? A man who had been crippled from birth. They healed him. Now I'm not saying you go around and and try to heal people, but you look at people, you see their need, and you try to address that particular need. You see where they need help. And you know what? Sometimes it may be turned out depending on the situation, but I think in most cases, if somebody is in need, you know, I remember when I was younger, you know, seeing somebody broken down along the side of the road, stopping, if I saw a flat tire, it'd help them change the the flat. Now, I don't know how to fix engines, so my help was limited, but if I saw, uh, it looked like a safe situation, and it was obvious that, you know, these people had a flat tire, maybe it was a couple of women or whatever, you know, Super, super Pastor John Dobridge would stop, you know, pull out the you know, spare and, and get them sent on their way. So that's the second concept of how do you love your neighbor as yourself. Not only do you have to be intentional about it, you have to be observant. The third point is love is compassionate. It's one thing to see a need, and it's another thing to want to do something about it. You take compassion on other people. You think to yourself, what if I were in their situation? How would I feel? How desperate would I be? How helpless would I feel? And uh, you know, again, we talked about the good Samaritan. He had compassion on the guy who had been beaten up. He didn't just see him. He didn't just stop and look at him, but he had compassion. He was moved to the point that he wanted to do something helpful for the person. Jesus was the same way. He looked at the crowds and uh, he had compassion on them. He saw people struggling. He saw people you know, fearful. He saw people desperate. And he encouraged the disciples to pray for more workers to be out there. It was beyond what Jesus could do. He was one man in one location during his earthly ministry. So, love is compassionate. Turn with me to Colossians 3. So this is the way we're called to be as as Christians, as God's children. Don't forget, we're emulating God. We're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So that's the way we should be too. There should be compassion in our lives. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12, says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us, holy and dearly loved. Yeah, that's what we are. We're holy because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for our sins and we're dearly loved by God. Never forget that. No matter what your situation is, you are dearly loved. We don't fall in and out of love with God. We are dearly loved. He says, clothe yourself with what? compassion. Compassion. And what is compassion? You not only feel sorry for somebody, you hurt because of the circumstances you see them in, and you're moved to want to do something about it. So he says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you." So again, if you see the person and for some reason you react in such a way, a negative way, that, well, this person's different from me. They may be a different ethnic group than me, a different race than me, a different religion from me. Well, you put those things aside. You repent of those things, and you go ahead and help, be compassionate toward that person, no matter who they are. I love this passage in Second Corinthians chapter 1, Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Second Corinthians 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion wow what a great title he has compassion on us all the time he doesn't hold our sins against us but he shows us compassion when he sees our needs the father of compassion and the god of all comfort so that's not just god we're his children we need to be acting the same way the father of compassion and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from god you know we look at comfort in a in a selfish way we always want god's comfort and compassion on us but what God is saying here through the Apostle Paul is, okay, you've received comfort and compassion from God. Your sins have been forgiven, okay? Now let that flow, let that grace flow through you to reach out and touch other people in a positive way, in a godlike way. That's what it means to be a Christian. You know, we think to ourselves sometimes, well, we've got God's grace. We love that grace. Give us more of that grace, more of that forgiveness more comfort, more compassion, God, on me. But it doesn't end there. As Paul says, the way this is set up now, now that you've received it, bless others with it. With the same things that God has blessed you with. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And God, has, God is not a respecter of persons. His comfort and His forgiveness and His grace flows to whomever. And that's the same way it should be with us. We can't, you know, only choose to bless certain people. People we know real well or people who are very much like us, who have the same interests, maybe the same political group or you know the same race or whatever the case may be. There's so much division in this world today, but God's grace transcends all of that. And so should our love toward our neighbor. So what have we seen so far? Love is intentional. You have to determine this is the way you wanna be. You wanna obey that great commandment to not only love God, but to love our neighbor as ourselves, And you pray God's help To help you find somebody that you can love. That you can share his blessings with. Secondly, love is observant. You know, God might provide somebody for you to help on a certain day. And if you walk right past them, tied to your cell phone or whatever, daydreaming or oblivious, you're going to miss that opportunity. And thirdly, love is compassionate. It's not just enough to see a need, but something has to happen in your heart where you feel sorry for that person and you're moved to do something about it. And like I said, often when it comes to compassion, we think to ourselves, what if I was in that situation? I would certainly want somebody to stop and help me or to call me or to encourage me because I certainly need a word of encouragement right now. Point number four, love is responsive. So it's not just enough to be intentional about it, to observe it, to be compassionate. You gotta do something. You're called to do something. The Good Samaritan responded by what? Helping the injured man. And not only very briefly, it turned into a longer term care for the person. He got him to medical assistance. He paid for the hotel for him. And he furthermore, he said, if there's any more costs, let me know and I'll cover it. That's how extensive his response went. Jesus responded when he saw people in need, by healing people, encouraging the disciples to pray for more workers, to preach the gospel to these people so that they might be saved. Let's turn to James. A very classic passage here. James 2 beginning in verse 14, James 2 beginning in verse 14. So this final point is crucial, you got to do something. He says here in James 2 verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? So you've observed the person, something happened in your heart, a certain amount of compassion, but you got to do something, whatever that something may be, whatever is needed at the time. He says in verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. He says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. (laughs) So one of the reasons, one of the main reasons God has blessed us with faith is that we can act based on that faith. Faith without works is dead. And I say the same thing to you and to myself. We consider ourselves Christians, we celebrate that, we love God, but he says use that faith that I've given you to love your neighbor as yourself. Don't be afraid. Step out in faith. You know, sometimes you might be timid and say well that person looks like they, they need help but uh, maybe they're going to reject me maybe they're going to turn me away uh, you know whatever step out on faith God will back you up Amen. love your neighbor as yourself one more passage in 1st John 1st John 3 verse 17 talking about the fact that we have to be responsive to the opportunities God provides us and you know There's a general way to help others. Sometimes people think, well, the church, the congregation, they're they're doing things in the community. You know, we're backing up the congregation. No, I think that this command is very personal that we've received from Jesus Christ. He wants us to personally, the church has their part to play, but God provides personal opportunities for each one of us to reach out and love our neighbor as ourselves. Don't just rely on the church as a whole to do it. You be ready personally to do it. 1 John 3, verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Wow. That's a hard shot to take here. <laughs> you know, if we have failed in the past and if we haven't been prepared to reach out and love our neighbor as ourselves. He asked the question, how can the love of God be in him? Because that's what God's love is. It's a motivating force that he has placed in us to share with others. He says in verse 19, well, I'll end there with uh, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongues, but with actions and in truth. And I love this scripture because it was the motto of my high school. I went to a Catholic high school, and the motto of my school was opere et veritate, deeds and truth, works and truth. That's the way we were to live our lives. We were commissioned to live our lives in high school and beyond with that motto. It's not just enough to have faith, but you need to have these works. We're not saved by works. We do works because we're saved. We do works because we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like the Apostle Paul. We want to be like God, our Father. So don't get me wrong. We're saved by grace through faith. But then works come along as a response to that great salvation we've been given. So will you join me in this pursuit? I want to really learn how to love my neighbor as myself. I really feel I've grown a lot in loving God with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole strength. And I think we're learning that every week when we come here. You know, I remember years ago in this church, we would never tell God personally that we love Him. We would sing about love and, and you know, this and that. But we've become more bold and personal in our relationship with the Father. And I try to make sure that every week at church here, we tell God, Father, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. We used to feel a little uncomfortable with that years ago in our denomination and in our tradition. So I think we've made a lot of progress in that, but it doesn't end there. Because the great commandment is not only to love God, but to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus clarified it. Who is our neighbor? It could be the person that you would least feel comfortable giving aid to or talking to, or encouraging. So we need to be aware of everybody around us. I think God wants us to learn this lesson and to learn this truth about loving our neighbor as ourself. So this is what I wanna pray, and this is what I hope you'll pray over the course of the next several weeks. Father, please provide an opportunity for me to love my neighbor as myself. And when you provide this opportunity, wherever it may happen, I want to be prepared, but point out to me and make sure I don't miss it. And when the situation comes up and I see the person and I'm aware of this situation, you know, boing, smack me in the back of the head and make me aware because I want to do this. I want to grow in this and I want to learn how to love my neighbor as myself. And you know what? If we're uh, intentional with it, God will provide opportunities for each of us, and your opportunity is going to be different from my opportunity, because I hang out in certain areas that you don't hang out in, okay? I know people or come in contact with people that you may not come in contact with. It's a personal challenge to each of us, and you know what? I think God likes this challenge and I think that he's going to follow through and provide these opportunities for us. And the help can be varied types of health. It don't limit it to financial help for somebody. It could be prayer, and I encourage prayer on the spot. Not, oh well, I'll pray for you later, and you'll walk away and the person doesn't know if you're ever gonna do that. But just say, hey, can I pray for you right now? I think we all have the ability to pray for somebody on the spot. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to quote scriptures. Maybe this person feels cut off from God, or maybe this person doesn't know God. But I don't think I have ever seen a situation where when I said to somebody, can I pray for you right now? They never turned me away. Never, not once. People always appreciate prayer. So it can be prayer. It can be some sort of service. It can be uh, you know, somebody uh, who's injured at work and now they can't cut their grass and they're a neighbor of yours. And uh, you got a riding mower and those are fun to drive. So I figure I'll just scoot over there and cut his grass too. Whatever you can do, whatever you can do. God has given us the wherewithal. He's not going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. He's going, to, he's going to provide an opportunity that you are capable of providing. It could be calling somebody that you know is distraught or just lost a loved one and just needs somebody to talk to. And you don't need to preach to them. You just need to listen to them. Okay. And pray for their needs as you're able. So let's take up this challenge. I, I hope you'll do that. And let's all pray over the course of the next month for the opportunity. And that God will give you the wherewithal and the motivation will be prepared. And when it happens, I hope we can share some stories of what God has provided for us, the opportunities to share his love with others.